Volume 1, Chapter 5 of Say and Seal by Susan and Anna Warner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5 For some weeks the little town of Patacoasset held on its peaceful way as usual. Early summer passed into harvest, and harvest gave way to the first blush of autumn, and still the mong flowed quietly along, and the killdeers sang fearlessly. For even tenor and happy spirits, the new teacher and his scholars were not unlike the smooth river and its feathered visitors. Whatever the boys were taught, they certainly learned to be happy, and Mr. Linden's popularity knew no bounds in his own domain. Neither did it end there. Those fair members of the Patacoasset Society who thought early walks good for their health felt their sleepy eyes well paid for keeping open when they met Mr. Linden. Those who were fond of evening expeditions declared that his figure in the twilight was quite a picture and made them feel so safe. A great slander, by the way, on Patacoasset. Mr. Simmons was his firm friend and many another, known and unknown. Squire Deacon, I regret to say, was an exception. Squire Deacon declared, confidentially, that he never had thought the new teacher fit for his business know-how. As far as he could hear, Mr. Linden never taught school before, and in that case, what could you expect? Moreover, said the squire, I am creditably informed that the first day he kept school here, he began by asking the boys who made them, as if that had anything to do with geography. Of course, it's natural for a man to ask when he knows he can answer if the boys don't added Squire Deacon, in the way of kind explanation. Whereupon Jonathan Fax, the squire's right-hand man, requested to be informed why, if a man was poor, didn't he dress as though he felt so, and why, if he weren't rich, did he act as though he were. And thus by degrees there was quite an opposition party in Patacoasset, if that could be opposition, which the object of it never opposed. By degrees, too, the murmurs became more audible. "'Faith, child,' said Mrs. Derrick, in a cautious whisper, coming out where Faith sat on the porch, bathed in the late September light. "'Faith, child, where's our linden tree?' Mrs. Derrick thought she had concealed her meaning now, if anybody did overhear. Faith started. More than so gentle a question seemed to call for. "'He's gone down to the post office, mother.' Her mother stood still and thought. "'Child,' she said, "'I never thought we had any fools in our town before.' "'I didn't know there were so many,' said Faith. "'What new, mother?' "'Child,' she said, "'you know more than I about some things. "'What do you suppose fools can do? "'Isn't he a whole tree of knowledge?' "'There is no fear of him, mother,' Faith said with a smile, "'which, if the subject of it valued any faith in the world but his own, "'would have gratified him to see. "'They can't touch him. "'They may vex him.' "'Mrs. Derrick shook her head softly behind Faith's chair, "'then turned and went back into the house, "'not caring, as it seemed, to spread the vexation.' Then after a little interval of bird music the gate opened to admit Reuben Taylor. He held a bunch of water lilies, drooping their fair heads from his hand. His own head drooped a little too. Then he raised it and came firmly on. "'Is Mr. Linden home, Miss Faith?' "'No, Reuben. He will be directly, I guess. Do you want to see him?' "'No,' said Reuben. "'I don't know as I do more than usual. I have seen him all day. He wanted some pond lilies, Miss Faith. At least he told me to bring them. Maybe it was you wanted them. "'I'll give them to him, Reuben. What's the matter with you?' But Reuben stood silent, perhaps from the difficulty of speaking. "'Miss Faith,' he said at last, "'is Squire Deacon all the trustees of our school, besides Mr. Summers?' "'No. Why? What about it?' "'He's doing all the mischief he can,' said Reuben concisely. "'What mischief has he done, Reuben?' said Faith, waiting upon the boy's answer with an anxious face. "'Well,' said Reuben, as if he could not put it in plain words, "'he's trying to turn folks' heads.' and some heads is easy turned. How do you know this? And whose head is he turned, Reuben, not yours? They'd have to turn my heart, Miss Faith, was Reuben's subdued answer. 
Then he looked up and listened, hearing a step he well knew. Nor that alone, for a few low notes of a sweet hymn tune seemed to say there were pleasant thoughts within reach of at least one person. Then Reuben broke forth. They can't keep him out of heaven anyway, nor me neither, he added softly. But he ran down the steps and out of the gate, passing his teacher with only a bow, and once beyond the fence Reuben's head dropped in his hands. Reuben, I want you, said Mr. Linden. But Reuben was out of sight. Faith stood between the house and the gate. "'Where is he? Can't you make him hear? I want that boy,' she said. "'I can run after him, with doubtful success.' "'The foolish fellow brought these for you, Mr. Linden,' said Faith, giving the lilies where they belonged. "'Complimentary, Miss Faith,' said Mr. Linden, taking the lilies and smelling them gravely. "'He is,' said Faith, "'and you speak as if I wasn't. "'Will it redeem my character, or Reuben's, if I bestow the lilies upon you, Miss Faith? I think that was their destination.' Faith took the lilies back again, with a slight smile and a flash, and stood attentively turning them over for a while. Then suddenly she said, "'Thank you.' "'What did you want of Reuben Taylor?' said Mr. Linden. "'Cannot I do as well?' "'I should be sorry to think you wanted, Mr. Linden, what I wanted to give him.' "'That sounds terrific. But Reuben is under my jurisdiction. I don't allow anybody to scold him but myself. So deliver it to me, Faith, and I will give it to him, duly pointed and sharpened up.' "'No,' said Faith, smiling. You couldn't do it so well as I. I wanted to say two words to him to put nonsense out of his head. Nonsense, said Mr. Linden, looking grave. I am as anxious on that point as you can be. What nonsense has he got in his head? Faith hesitated, flushed and paled a little, and looked at her lilies. I don't know whether I ought to speak of it, she began, with much less than her usual composure of speech. Perhaps it is not my business. Please forgive me if I speak wrong. But I half think you ought to know it. I'll try to bear the knowledge, he said, smiling, if you will promise to speak the cabalistic two words that were to have such an effect upon Reuben. So you want to put nonsense into my head, Miss Faith? Perhaps you know it already, said Faith. At any rate, I think I should feel better satisfied if you did know it. Mr. Linden, she said, speaking low, do you know that Squire Deacon has been trying to do you mischief? Just suppose for a moment that you are one of my scholars and give me a definition of mischief. To judge by the unbent lines of Faith's brow, there was nothing very disagreeable to her in the supposition. Yet she had a look of care for the definition, too. "'When a man is meaning to do harm, isn't he doing mischief?' "'Only to himself.' "'But do you mean that one can't do harm to others in this world?' "'You said when a man is meaning to do harm.' "'Ah,' said Faith, laughing, "'I should want a great deal of teaching before I could give a definition that would suit you. Well, then isn't harm mischief?' I'm afraid I must yield that point. Then, said Faith simply, but very modestly, we come back to where we started from? What shall we do there? said he, smiling. Nothing, perhaps, said Faith, with the same simplicity. I only thought it right to put you there, Mr. Linden. Thank you, Miss Faith. Now, will you please pronounce over me the two words intended for Reuben? Faith laughed a little, but then said gravely, Mr. Linden, I should be very sorry to think you needed them. It's impossible always to avoid being very sorry. I want them, at all events. Haven't you just been putting nonsense into my head? Have I? said Faith. Do you suppose there was any there before? I don't think, said Faith, surveying his face. There is much there now. I guess you don't need the two words, Mr. Linden. I was going to tell Reuben he was a goose for thinking that that man could hurt you. His face changed a little. Poor Reuben, he said. Then with the former look. On the whole, perhaps, it was well he did not come back. If you put those in water, they will open their eyes tomorrow. Fresh water, not salt, he added as he followed her into the house. 
They are not part of the marine flora. Tea was ready with its usual cheer of eatables and pleasant faces, not quite with its usual flow of talk. Mrs. Derrick certainly had something bewildering on her mind, for she even looked at her guest two or three times when he was looking at her. The pond lilies were alone in the twilight parlor. That was perhaps the reason why Lucinda introduced Parson Summers into the tea room, the parson happening to call at this identical time. Parson Summers was always in a genial state of mind, always at least whenever he came into Mrs. Derrick's parlor. By the testimony of numbers, it was the same in many other parlors. He came in so now, gave a smile all round, and took an empty chair in place at the table like one who found it pleasant. "'Well, I declare, Mrs. Derrick,' said Mr. Summers when he was seated, "'I don't think there's a—a a more cheerful room in Patacoasset than this one. Why, you always have everything agreeable here. A cup of tea now, I didn't expect it.' "'Why, we always do have tea, Mr. Summers,' said Mrs. Derrick, "'but it don't seem strong to-night. Lucindy, take the teapot and make some fresh.' "'These baked apples are strong, in numbers at least,' said Mr. Linden, as he bestowed one upon Mr. Summers. "'Thank you. It's all strong enough, Mrs. Derrick. Thank you. Very good. And, Mr. Linden, how are you, uh, getting along with your juvenile charge? Confining work, sir, isn't it?' "'Rather, sir, to the body.' "'Not to the mind, eh? Well, I should have thought that to a gentleman like you it would prove, uh, more deleterious to the mental faculties. But I suppose you find yourself rewarded by your pupil's improvement and—regard.' "'Yes, sir. Their regard is very precious to me,' was the quiet reply. "'I should think so. Why, there's that boy Reuben Taylor. Strange father that boy has, fisherman. I met that boy this evening in the street, and he was crying. Down a little below here. He was going home. I asked him, ah, uh, if Mr. Linden had been dealing hardly with him, and I declare I didn't know but Reuben would have attacked me on the spot.' "'Has Mr. Linden a character in the village for cruelty?' said Faith. "'I—I I declare, not that I know of, Miss Faith.' I should think it could not be deserved. That boy's attachment is certainly, uh, very warm. My dear Mrs. Derrick, how well Miss Faith is looking. She always looks well, but tonight, uh, the color of her cheeks is to be remarked. You will get a character for cruelty, Miss Faith, said Mr. Linden, if you ask about my character before my face. Faith looked up as if she would willingly have asked a question, but that being in present circumstances impossible, she merely uttered a quiet little no and went on with her tea and with a color still further improved. A quiet little, yes, of about equal prominence, did not divert the attention of Mr. Summers from his own remarks. "'It's delightful to see, really,' said that gentleman. "'But, Mr. Linden, ha, uh, I am sorry to find that you haven't the good will of our neighbor Squire Deacon. The Squire is a valuable man, very. The Squire is a valuable man in the town. I am sorry. Do you know, Mr. Linden, ha, uh, how it has happened?' "'Have you asked the Squire himself, sir?' said Mr. Linden. "'Why, no, sir, I haven't. I, ha, uh, "'wanted to get at the truth of it that I might, if possible, do something to heal the breach. "'Now, you are doing a valuable work in Patacoasset, sir. "'I should be sorry to see it interrupted, very, "'and I thought the best way would be to try to find out what the matter was, "'in order, if possible, to its being removed. "'And to get at the truth, it is often best to hear both sides.' "'But I have no side to tell, sir,' said Mr. Linden, smiling in spite of himself. "'I cannot deny that Squire Deacon seems to withhold his good will. "'I think it is for him to tell his reasons.' "'Then you really have no idea what it can be about, and I may tell him so, because that would be a great point.' "'No, sir, you may not tell him that.' "'Then you have an idea what the matter is?' said Mr. Summers eagerly. "'Then, sir, if you will be so good as to let me know what it is, I have no doubt. I entertain no doubt. We shall be able to smooth it all away and have peace.' "'You cannot prove one man's ideas by another man's,' said Mr. Linden. "'Then you can give me no help,' said Mr. Summers regretfully. "'But, Mr. Linden, ha—' 
it strikes me that it would be useful for me to know your view of the cause of offense. Whatever it is, before I know his, one may correct the other. There has been no offense given, sir, said Mr. Linden. That the squire has taken offense we both know. Why he has taken it, if I know, I have no right to tell you. Squire Deacon might justly complain of me if I did. It is from no disrespect to you, believe me. I say, said Cindy, coming into the room with a basket, here's Sam Stoutenberg been and fetched some Stoutenberg sweetenings for his teacher, he says. I'm free to confess, added Cindy, as she set down the basket by Mr. Linden. He said if he would like to do anything better with him, it would just be to shy him at Squire Deacon's head, so I guess they ain't over and above ripe. Ha, ah, very pleasant, certainly, very gratifying, said Mr. Summers, rising. Mr. Linden, I have no more to say. You are a gentleman, sir, and understand these matters. I will see what I can do. Mrs. Derrick, I thank you for your tea, ma'am. I am sorry there should be anything disagreeable. But I have no doubt it will all be set right. The squire is a good-feeling man, I have no doubt of it. Miss Faith, uh, why, Mrs. Derrick, this color is too deep. It isn't natural. It looks feverish. Do the Pataquasset ladies use any rouge but their own sea breezes? asked Mr. Linden. How we do get the sea breezes here, pleasantly, answered Mr. Summers. Good evening. Mr. Linden accompanied the visitor to the little gate, and returning, paced up and down the moonlit porch, followed only by his shadow. End of chapter 5